Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Inspire Church family. Good morning to you. And I use that term, Inspire Church family, because truly, truly, uh, to me, uh, your church is like family to me. And the reason is uh, your pastor, Pastor Philip Muela, is like a brother to me. And it is a pleasure and an honor uh, to be given the opportunity to share with you this morning. I was with you guys uh, several months ago and enjoyed that time when we were meeting together at the Crown Plaza. Oh, how we miss those days. Uh, before I jump into the message, I do want to say one thing about your pastor, Pastor Philip. Uh, like I said, he's a dear friend to me, and uh, I respect him for so many reasons. But during these last several months, this season of COVID and the social injustice that we've seen happening in our country, what I appreciate about your pastor that I've, I've come to experience over the last several months is how he is walking out his own faith, his own salvation with fear and trembling. You've got to know about your pastor that he is opening himself up to all the ways in which the Holy Spirit is making him more like Jesus. And it's just been such a joy to see the different ways in which he's being challenged, the different ways he's being challenged to grow. And, and Pastor Philip, he's just game. And so I just want to encourage all of you not only to show deep appreciation, you might want to even put in the comments right now, I appreciate Pastor Philip because, go ahead and do that, not only to appreciate him, but also to pray for him as God is using uh, like he is in all of our lives, this last season of our lives to do deep work in us and through us. And I'm just thankful that even though he's the pastor guy, he is still opened up to God's work in his life. And so, so thankful for Pastor Philip. And in many ways, um, in this message today entitled, Why This Pain?, I'm, I'm going to be speaking from some of the, the things that God has been doing in me and some of the pain that I've experienced over the last several months as many of us have experienced pain. And so without any further ado, let's jump right into the message. I like to start out with a tension question, uh, the question that I hope you're interested in, the question that I believe the scriptures have an answer to, and the question that I hope that by the end of our time together, you have a clear answer of. And so the tension question is simply this, why in the last several months has God allowed so many of us to go through so much unexplainable pain and suffering? Why? Turn to your neighbor, turn to your spouse, to your kids. Kids, if you're watching, turn to your parents and say, why? Why? Why has God allowed us to go through so much pain over these last several months. Aren't we his children? Has he forgotten about us? Doesn't he love us? Many of you would remember, if, if you were here the last time I was here, and if you weren't, I'll catch you up to speed. Um, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Rebecca, now for 15, going on 16 years this September. 
And for the last 15 years, we have wanted to have children. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, we have not been able to have children. And um, if that wasn't hard enough, as I shared with you the last time I was here, um, we found out last year in 2019 that my wife had cancer in her uterus. And the hope was that even though she had cancer in her uterus, that she would take a cancer suppression medicine, and if the medicine worked, the cancer would be suppressed enough for us to be able to try to have children naturally before she would need to get a a hysterectomy. Unfortunately, uh, we found out this past April that the medicine was ineffective in pushing the cancer back. Unfortunately, my wife had to have a hysterectomy a couple months ago, and our dream of having children of our own, it died. After so many years of of praying, so many years of believing that God would do a miracle in, in my wife and in our life, that dream died a couple months ago. And on more than one occasion, myself and my wife found ourselves asking ourselves, why? Why, Lord? And I know I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who's tuning in today who has gone through tremendous pain in the last several months. Uh, You may have uh, faced a physical illness You may have contracted the the coronavirus. You may know loved ones who have. You may even know some loved ones who have maybe passed away, maybe not because of the coronavirus, but because of some other sickness over the last several months. And you have thought to yourself, why? Why have you not brought healing? Many of you have, have maybe faced some financial difficulty during this time. Why, Lord, why did you allow me to start working at this job only to be let go because of this global pandemic that we find ourselves in? Why is my child not following you anymore? Why are my parents not following you anymore? Why do we have such strife in my friendships and in my relationships and in my family? Why this pain? And that's the question that we're going to answer today, and I believe that the Bible is going to speak very clearly to. But before we jump into our text, if you are not yet interested in in why God is allowing this pain Here are uh, just some reasons why I hope you lean in. I call these my burdens. This really breaks my heart, and it really makes me passionate about sharing what I'm going to share with you today. My first burden is simply this. How we interpret our pain can either be a threat to or a catalyst for our faith in Jesus. And, And you know this to be true. Some of you, you have gone through tremendous pain. You are in tremendous pain. And for you, it has been a threat to your faith in Jesus. You have felt your faith waning in light of the various pains, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally. You have felt your faith wane because, God, if you're real, if you're up there, if you love me, you would not be allowing me to go through this. 
And for others of you, you know that these pains have actually pushed you deeper into your relationship with Jesus. It has given you a stronger faith. And so the reason why we need to lean in over the next several moments is because we want to make sure, especially for those of you who are tuning in who are Christians, that the pains that we experience are actually pushing us towards Jesus and not away from him. And if you're an unbeliever who happens to be tuning in today, you may be at an arm's distance from God and refusing a relationship with God because of pain. Here's another burden I have. Simple answers to complex pains are very problematic. Maybe you're an unbeliever who've heard Christian people try to explain your pain, and because how Christian people have explained your pain, you've wanted to stay away from our God just simply on the basis for how Christians can be so weird sometimes, for lack of a better word, in terms of how we interpret pain. Oh, maybe it's because you don't have enough faith. That's why God is allowing this to happen. Or what sin is in your life, and this is why it's happening. And trite phrases like, well, God works all things out for the good. I'm reminded of Job's friends. For those of you who are familiar with the biblical character of Job, who had everything taken away. They had no idea that God was actually allowing this pain into Job's life, not because he did anything wrong, but because God wanted to show Satan that God was truly Job's God. But the friends had no idea of that cosmic conversation that happened between God and Satan. So when they see Job in his trouble, they say, it's because you're not living righteously. You must have made a mistake somewhere problematic, uh, simple answers to complex pains are problematic. And a lot of times the church doesn't have deeper answers to the complex pains that we find ourselves in. And so I'm praying that by the end of today, that Inspire Church is equipped to, to help people understand from a biblical perspective why they're going through the pains they're going through. The last burden I have is that many Christians are too quick to attempt to pray away their pain and suffering. You don't need to see Job's friends for this. All you need to look at is your prayers. All you need to look at is your prayer journal. How many of us, if we're honest, me included, a lot of our prayers are directed towards God. Relieve me of this pain. Heal me of this pain. Deliver me from this tough circumstance. And not that there's anything wrong with these prayers, but what if the pains that our God is bringing into our life, they're not things that we should be praying away, but instead they're things that we should be embracing because of what God wants to do through that pain. And so I want to help us today and I want to give you an outline for how we're going to tackle the question, why pain? Uh, out front, I'm going to give three biblical explanations, three which I believe are very clear biblical explanations for our pain uh, from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Corinth. Excited about that. We're going to kind of go a little bit quickly through the three biblical explanations the second part of the, the message, the middle part of the message is we're going to focus on one sympathetic comforter. 
And I know Inspired Church is a theologically deep and prepared church. And so I know you look at one sympathetic comforter and you go, I know who that is. That's Jesus. And let me just tell you, spoiler alert, it is Jesus. But I believe the way we're going to look at the sympathetic comforter is going to be fresh for you and prayerfully a way in which it goes from your head to your heart. Finally, we're going to close with one uncomfortable question. And if there's any part of the message that I'm most excited about, it's the one uncomfortable question that I'm going to leave you with. And so with all that being said, the setup, the outline, if you are ready, if you are ready to hear the word of God today, if you are ready for a biblical perspective on pain, would you just type in the comments, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. Would you just type in the comments, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. The text we're going to be in is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Just a little bit of context. Paul writing to the crazy church at Corinth. A lot of craziness going on in this church at Corinth. And in this second letter, in the 12th chapter, in the preceding verses to verse 7, what Paul does is he talks about these visions that he's seen. He's basically boasting about the supernatural work that God is doing in his life and his ability to see things that other people don't see. And it's on the heels of him boasting about his gifts in the Lord that we pick up the text and so let's go ahead and jump right in. He says, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the things that God was allowing me to see, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. He goes on to say, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. His concluding remarks are these. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And is there one more verse here? Yep. So to, oh, no. So that, so that was that. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three biblical explanations for pain right from this text. And so here's the first one. Um, it's in yellow here. To keep me from being conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Now, I'm not a big Bible scholar, okay? I'm a really simple guy, and, and I was taught that when something is repeated in the scriptures, we should pay attention to it. And what we see here is that there's something going on with Pain, a thorn was given to keep me from being conceited, to keep me from being conceited. Now, before I make the first point, I just want to unpack this thorn in the flesh for just a second. What, what does this mean? Like, did he actually have like a rose thorn in his flesh? That kind of what comes to mind for me. And really, commentators don't have a clear answer to what exactly the thorn in the flesh was. 
Some say because it was in the flesh that it was a physical ailment. Some would even say that it had to do with uh, Paul's eyesight. Because in Galatians, he writes, I write with these big letters. And many people say he was writing with big letters because he couldn't see very well. So he might have had a physical infirmity like eyesight uh, not being strong. A messenger of Satan to harass me. Some people say, oh, because it's a messenger of Satan to harass me, he might have had some, uh, some mental or emotional pains that he was going through. Other commentators say that there were some persecutors that were um, criticizing his ministry. And so it could have been something physical, it could have been something relational, it could have been something mental or emotional, and I think we're not clear on what it was, because if we were, we might say, oh, because that was Paul's pain, the rest of this text doesn't apply to me. But because we're unclear, we know Paul was in some sort of pain, and it seems like it was to keep him from becoming conceited. And so here's the first point, plain and simple. Pain prevents your pride. Pain prevents your pride. The reason why, one of the reasons why God allows pain is to prevent us from becoming prideful. When we found out that my wife had to have a hysterectomy and we wouldn't be able to have children of our own, it was very humbling to realize that we aren't in control of our lives. We aren't in control of our plans. That we make our plans, but God orders our steps. And how many of you would agree that the pains that we've all experienced over the last several months, whether it be from COVID or the social injustices or things that aren't going on necessarily in the world at large, but in your own home, that there have been opportunities to humble yourself because of the pain you are experiencing. You realize, wow, maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as in control as I thought I was. Maybe my financial plan isn't gonna save me from every peril that my, I might experience in my life like I thought it would. And now we are humbled because of the pain. I know I've been so humbled by the pain that God allows to happen in my life to the point where I say, okay, Lord, you're the boss. And what if, Inspire Church family, that's what God is doing? For too long, you have said, I'm the boss. Yes, God, you're a part of my life, but I'm the boss. And now God is allowing this pain so you would humble yourself before him, just like Paul would say, to keep me from being conceited. Let's jump back in the text to look at point number two. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Come on, somebody, can't we relate? Three times I said, take this cancer away. Three times I said, help this mental illness go away. Three times I said, Lord, when will we ever have more money at the end of the month? Three times I said, Lord, would you help me in my marriage? Three times I pleaded for this pain to go away. But he said to me, a verse many of you are familiar with, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. What's the second biblical explanation for pain? I'm going to jump right to the second point. Pain perfects God's power. Pain not only prevents you from pride, but also, it also perfects the power of God in your life. What do I mean by this? Well, as it relates to us, what I've seen as my wife has had to walk through the difficulty of a dream dying, of a cancer literally bringing her to the point where the dearest parts of her have to be removed. She has had to contemplate faith. She has had to contemplate what her relationship with God is like. And can I just tell you, I have been so proud and amazed to see the power of God at work in my wife's life, to see her faith being strengthened, to see her love for the Lord increase in light of this pain. God's supernatural power is being perfected in my wife's life in a way that it wouldn't have if she didn't go through the pain. And I get to sit back and I get to see God's supernatural work at, life, uh, at work in my wife's life during this time. And maybe you would reflect on some of the pains that you've gone through, some of the losses some of the things that have happened to you that you would wish on no other person, but you would say, you know what? Man, I've seen God's love like I've never seen God's love through that pain. But I've seen God provide. Come on, somebody. I know there's someone on the other end of this line watching, tuning in today, who, who's had it rough financially. Things haven't been the best for you. You've moved from job to job to job, and for whatever reason, your finances can't ever get to the point where you want it to be, but you could testify to the power of God to provide for you exactly what you need just when you need it. Come on, someone in the comments, say amen. Amen, I know what that's like. And so pain not only prevents us from pride, but it also perfects God's power. Let's look at the last piece here. Paul says, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For I am content with weaknesses. Some translations say pleased with weaknesses. And it's actually the same Greek word. Catch this. This is crazy. When Jesus is baptized and he comes up out of the water, and God looks down at Jesus and he says, this is my son in who I'm well pleased. The pleasure that God had for his son as he took the step of obedience in baptism is the same pleasure that Paul had in his weakness. What? That's otherworldly. What's the third point? Third biblical explanation. Pain produces supernatural pleasure. Pain produces supernatural pleasure. How could not having a child of your own produce a supernatural pleasure? You know what I've found? It produces a supernatural pleasure in terms of seeing that God can provide me joys outside of having a child of my own. 
when I thought the only way to have a certain type of pleasure as it relates to child rearing, there are other children who are in our church and family and friends that are a part of our lives. And there is this supernatural, otherworldly, I shouldn't feel pleased in, in loving this child, even though it's not my child, but God has given us those pleasures, those joys, the joy of shepherding a flock in many ways. So many of them are like children that I love and care for and I want God's best for. And maybe you can testify to a certain pain bringing you a pleasure that you thought wasn't possible. You know, another pain that I've experienced over the last several months, and I've talked to your pastor Philip about this, is just the pain of the heaviness of leading a church through this time. And let me just tell you, your, your Pastor Philip, he's going through these things too. This is not easy. We, there's no book on how to lead a church through a global pandemic. But in God allowing the pain of remaining committed to the call to pastor a local church, I have experienced the supernatural pleasure that comes with perseverance. It's crazy. I've wanted to quit but I, I get up here, I do it again, I, I do the counseling calls again, and there's this supernatural pleasure that comes over my life in sticking with it. And I just don't think I'm the only one. I think some of you could testify to pleasures untold because of pains you never asked for. So, pain prevents your pride. Pain perfects God's power. Pain produces supernatural pleasure. In many ways, this, this could be a message in and of itself. Hopefully some of these things are helpful to you. Maybe in the comments, you'll just go ahead and write out which is the one that is most helpful to you. Number one, number two, number three. Which is the one you might want to star it and say, man, that's a word for me during this season. I needed to know that one of God's reasons for my pain is one, two, or three. Just to make sure we're applying it as we go along. But I told you that after the three biblical explanations, I was going to talk to you about one sympathetic comforter. One sympathetic comforter. And many of you are familiar with this passage, but uh, we're going to go deeper into it, and I pray it would be helpful for you. Let's check it out. The writer of Hebrews, he says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest, we do not have a high priest who is unable to, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Because you might be thinking at this point, great Ed, three biblical explanations for why I'm going through pain. I, I get that, okay, this is what God's trying to do, but... But does he love me? Is he just trying to do this work in my life attached from knowing what I'm going through and sympathizing and empathizing with me? And I just want to tell you, church family, he knows in every way, he knows the weaknesses that you've been through. And so what I want to do right now is I want to take us to the passion of Christ 
I want to take us to those final hours before Jesus was to be crucified, our Savior and Lord. And I want to show you how he just doesn't know about your pain, but he knows what your pain feels like personally. Not just God from afar, but what it feels like personally. Let's just take a look at this list. Some of you have experienced the pain of betrayal. Someone who you thought was for you, and now they turn your back on you. And I just want to let you know, church family, Jesus knows all about that. He rolled with Judas for years, multiple years in ministry, only to have him betray him for, for some silver coins. Jesus not only knows about your betrayal, he knows what it feels like to be betrayed. Unjustly accused. How many of you have experienced the unjust accusations of others? People talking bad about you. People lying on you. Come on, somebody. Especially in this climate that we're in right now with political opinions being so strong and everyone having such strong opinions. And so someone lies about your political views because you posted something or someone takes something you said out of context and you're like, that's not me. Why are you putting me in that box? And I just want to let you know, Jesus doesn't only know about that unjust accusation, but he knows what it feels like he was accused, and he was the only one to ever be truly unjustly accused. Truly lived a perfect life, yet was accused and sentenced to death. Jesus knows what that feels like. Verbally abused. Come on. In a church of this size, I wouldn't doubt that some of you have grown up in homes where you were verbally abused by your parents, by your caregiver, and that hurts you. We're not just talking about the pains that we've experienced through this time of, of uh, COVID and coronavirus. We're talking about the pains in your life that you've had, period. Jesus doesn't only know that you've been verbally abused. He knows what it feels like. Up on the cross, they said, Jesus, if you're the king, take yourself off of there. Physically assaulted. Friends and family, come on. We just have to know. You have loved ones, maybe you even tuning in. There's been a point in your life where someone put hands on you in an improper way. Jesus knows all about that, not because he's God, but also because he experienced it being whipped repeatedly, having a crown of thorns shoved onto his skull. He knows what it feels like to be physically assaulted, nails driven into his wrists. This is our Savior. And what a resource to know that he's not just the Savior that died for us, but he's the Savior that empathizes with these real pains that we've gone through. Sexually humiliated. We don't like to think about this, but I don't know if when our Savior was hanging on that cross, his private area had all the, the covering that the paintings show. Something tells me it might have been a little bit more gritty than that. 
So for the King of kings and the Lord of lords in his humanity to have his most private parts exposed while people are mocking him, Jesus knows what it feels like to be sexually humiliated. And for those of you who are survivors of sexual assault, Jesus doesn't only know about it, he knows what it feels like. This is our sympathetic comforter. And finally, so many of us, why this pain? Why do we feel this way? We feel like God has abandoned us. Where are you, God? Is a vaccine ever gonna come? Is racial equality ever gonna be a reality? Is this always the way it's gonna be? Where are you, God? Jesus on that cross, in probably the worst moment of them all, he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The one who he had relationship with from eternity past, it was broken for a moment as the sins of the world were on his shoulders. Jesus doesn't only know that you feel abandoned by God. He knows what it feels like. Don't ask me to explain that. Ask Philip, Pastor Philip, ask him to explain that theologically. He, he knows how to explain that perfectly. But for a moment, God turned his back on his one and only son. Jesus knows what it feels like to be spiritually forsaken. Now let's stop here for just a second. It's one thing to have some biblical explanations for pain. It's another thing to have a savior who sympathizes with us. How many of you are thankful for a sympathetic comforter? Come on, somebody. I'm so thankful. And, and just one more, because he was sympathetic with us in all of these ways. We, brothers and sisters, should be sympathetic with others. Little bit of a digression here, but how sympathetic are we to the pains of others? Are we like Job's friends? No context to what's going on, but we make accusations for why they're in pain. Now, I've got a few more moments with you before I close. And I want to get to what I believe is, it's been the biggest work that God has done in my life as he's allowed so much pain to happen in my life over these last several months. And it is um, this one uncomfortable question that I want to leave you. One uncomfortable question that I want to leave you with. And to, to get to this one uncomfortable question, we're going to go back to Paul. Back to the author of that text to the church at Corinth. Not only does he give us a theology for pain, which is important, a biblical understanding of why God allows pain. His greatest goal in life was not to understand pain. That wasn't Paul's greatest mission. Let's take a look at what Paul's greatest goal in life was, and in seeing his greatest goal, I'm gonna leave you with the one uncomfortable question, and I'll get out of your way so you guys can enjoy lunch. Let's take a look at the text. Indeed, he's writing now to the church of Philippi, I count everything as loss. His whole resume of being a, a super Hebrew of, of being a Pharisee, of just knowing the Bible inside and out, the Torah. He, he had all these resumes of, of just being the most awesome guy, basically. And he says, I count that as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
See, what I talked about with the sympathetic comforter is that Jesus knows us and he knows what we're going through. But Paul wasn't just satisfied with Jesus knowing him. Paul said, I want to know Christ. The question is, how do we know Christ? Paul goes on to say, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings. <laughs> share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Just a few more minutes and we're going to close here. It wasn't just about being known by Jesus. I hope we can all be thankful that we're known by Jesus. But as we close, we see that Paul's greatest goal was to know Christ. Now, what were the pathways to knowing Christ? Knowing him in the power of his resurrection and sharing in his sufferings. The power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings. I want to bring you to one commentary to help us understand this passage. Let's take a look at it. Suffering for Christ, then, is a divine gift. It is a sign of sacred intimacy with Christ. The grace of being permitted to believe in Christ, catch this, is surpassed by the grace of being permitted to suffer for him, of being permitted to walk the way of Christ with Christ himself to the perfection of fellowship with him. Did you catch that? It is more than just being permitted to believe in Christ. That's a grace. But being permitted to share and suffer for him, that's just another way of thinking. And what does sharing in Christ's suffering do? It perfects our fellowship with him. It perfects our knowing him. Because when we know suffering, then we know him better because he suffered on our behalf. Kent Hughes also says this, the fellowship of Christ's suffering moves the believer, catch this, beyond the role of beneficiary of Christ's death to a sharer in his sufferings. The suffering that comes to a Christian as a Christian is not a sign of God's neglect, but rather proof that grace is at work in his or her life, sacred intimacy. I'm not just a beneficiary I'm a sharer in Christ's suffering. So, you ready for the uncomfortable question? I didn't hear you. You ready for the uncomfortable question? Here it is. Are you satisfied with Christ identifying with your suffering, but you not identifying with his? Or even put more plainly, do you want to know Christ? Inspire church family. You want to worship Christ. You want to be saved by Christ's blood. But do you want to know him? And be careful before you answer. <laughs> because the way we know Christ See, we're all about knowing him in his resurrection. Come on, somebody. 
we're blessed and highly favored and we're healed and, and we get the house and we get the land and we get the opportunity and, and, and all of the favor. We love that part. We love the resurrection, but we keep an arm's distance from the crucifixion. Don't you have the deepest relationships with those whom which you've entered into their pain? And don't you, those who have the best relationships with you, haven't they entered into your pain? And, and wouldn't you agree that people who don't enter into your pain, you're like, I don't want to relate to you because you don't want to know me for real, for real. Unfortunately, I think we do this with Christ. I want to know you, but I don't want to know how you've suffered. What if the grand purpose of your pain, not just to prevent your pride, not just to perfect his power, not just to produce this supernatural pleasure in you, but God is allowing pain into your life so that you can know him more deeply, therefore glorify him more fully. What if that's what God's up to? And can I just tell you, friends, this is what's happened in my life over these last several months. As God has allowed several very pain things to painful things to happen in my life. I know Christ more deeply. I feel like I have a sacred intimacy with Christ because there is this sense of just a taste. Nothing near what Christ has suffered on my behalf. But just a taste of suffering has given me a deeper intimacy with God, and I cherish that gift so deeply. Can you imagine, Inspire Church, can you imagine wayward children not following Jesus anymore, financial difficulty, health difficulty, mental difficulty, abuse, Horrendous things that have happened in our lives. Can you imagine by the power of the Holy Spirit experiencing these things in such a way where your first reaction is, Lord, I praise you for giving me an opportunity to enter into deeper intimacy with you through this pain. What if that's what God was doing? How would your world be changed if you interpreted pain in this way? How would your love for the Lord increase? How would your worship deepen if you didn't just move to praying away your pain, but you asked yourself, how does this pave a pathway for me to more deeply know the Jesus I say I love so much? Wouldn't you say that would be a witness to a watching world? There would be not enough room in our churches. I mean, I know we're gathering online, but you know what I mean. We would not be able to keep people away from the body of Christ if we interpreted pain in the way that God intends us to, to see it as an opportunity, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Here's the to-do, and I'll let you go. One, oh, big idea first, just sermon in a sentence real quick. No suffering, no Christ. No suffering, no Christ. You want to know Christ, you're going to need to know suffering. If you don't want to know Christ, then you can say, well, I don't want suffering. But you don't get Christ without suffering. And then you don't also get the resurrection without the suffering either. Let me not leave that hope. Obviously, 
with every crucifixion of pain and the things we go in our life, we see the resurrections of hope and then the ultimate resurrection in Jesus returning. I wanted to leave you with this practical to-do, though. Just as a way of applying this to your life, from going to your head, to your heart, to your hands, what is the past and or present unexplainable pain in your life that you should be boasting in rather than praying away? Let's just make this extremely practical. What's that thing you've been grumbling about, praying about, complaining about, and instead you should be boasting in it as an opportunity for Christ's power to be perfected in you, for your pride to be dealt with, for God's power, uh, for God's uh, supernatural pleasure to come into your life, and most importantly, I boast in whatever pain because it gives me the opportunity to know my Jesus better. Let me pray with you and we'll close. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I know a message like this can land in a lot of different places. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would connect the dots. That you would help us to see what you want us to see through a message like this. And Lord, I pray that if there's one thing that we could all see, it's that, Lord, the pain is a pathway for intimacy with you. That if we truly want to know you, we're going to need to know suffering. And then when we know your suffering, we will also know the power of your resurrection. God, would you help us by the power of your spirit to embrace pain in this way for our good in your glory. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.